Yo, not gonna lie, this sound gets me hard as a fucking rock. Yo! I'm afraid so, Brad. But isn't it nice? I'm very shallow and empty, and I have no ideas and nothing interesting to say. And I'm exactly the same way. If I had a steak, I would fuck it. But that steak, Sammy, it reflects because of a latency period. Are we ruling? Well, rolling. Hello. Hello. You'll join us on the day after the Queen's Jubilee. You're dating the podcast, darling. They'll know we filmed this in advance. Did we film it? Film it, yes. Another hidden camera. <laughs> you kinky little bitch. <laughs> yes, Philip. I miss you. I miss the warmth of your body. You know well there was no warmth for the past 30 years. Yes. Once the veins died, all that was there was the coldness of my personality, my bugged eyes, my sins during the war. I, w- I would like to stop this now. I'm, I'm not, no I'd like to stop it too, but it's going to be the, the next 30 years of our relationship is just us being Queenie and Philip. Oh, God. Okay, well, in case you didn't recognize our voices from that amazing <laughs> Who could it impression, be? <laughs> you're listening to Everybody Wants to Love You. It's a podcast about sex, love, and things that get left unsaid. I am Nicole O'Connor. And I am Garrett Stack. This is, we sound different today <laughs> because we're in bed. We're in bed. We're doing a bed, bed cast. It's, it, the law in Germany, where we live, is that it is completely illegal to bother your neighbours so you must not make any noise at all no limit just any noise no. between 10 a, ten p.m. and 6 a.m. because of course from 6 a.m. on 6.01 perfectly fine for a bin truck to rock on up giant mechanical beast crunching bottles with its teeth and braining you as you lie there screaming for sleep but if you dare to pass wind at 10.01 you are immediately <laughs> taken to a camp <laughs> so basically in Germany they have a thing called the I think it's the Ordnungsamt which is like a separate uh part of the police force where they they still have like the bulletproof vests and the guns and stuff like that and they'll rock up to your gaff and they'll be like here someone called to complain about your about how you're behaving in your apartment can you stop um normally it's noise sometimes it's not noise um but apparently this also so we've had the Ordnungsamt uh called on us uh or well we think they they knocked on our door oh we don't think they came up so they someone reported us for supposedly throwing bottles out of our window which to be fair had we actually been doing that would be pretty serious yeah exactly but of course there were no broken bottles on the ground no evidence of any bottles and no bottle throwing had occurred uh so a, a vexatious complaint seems to have been uh lodged with the appropriate authorities have you got your papers we think it's because gareth was smoking weed um and they probably were like okay well we can't call the call it on this yeah because they don't actually enforce that so why not make up a fake thing and say that we did that too yeah gareth came across a thing um where it's like someone got in trouble got a letter um because she was naked in her apartment (laughs) this is common so i've seen this at least twice on the Berlin subreddit where someone has had a complaint and actually a friend of mine from work had the same exact thing happen where there was a complaint lodged because she was naked in her apartment. I mean, 
there's so much to say here. First of all, you have to understand that they have a thing called FKK here, uh, f something like Freikorpskulturen, I forget the, the Deutsch, but basically there's a long tradition of being naked. It's actually totally legal to go to a public park, depending on the park, yeah. and be naked. All of the um, all of the lakes in Berlin, which are there are of the of which there are many, people will throughout the summer months go and chill and swim naked and sit at the which is all well and good, right? But they mm -hmm. also have this thing in the culture which is, you know, they just love the boot. There's oh God, give me that leather daddy. And they just love to report people and they love to look in your window and they love mm. to stick their freakish ears at you glue them onto the ceiling so they can hear every every crunch as you as you chew through a packet of illegal crisps it's really weird like um because you think okay when you're in the comfort of your own home you can do whatever the fuck you want um and on the street is where you need to behave but it's the opposite in in berlin and in, in my experience anyway like last night we came across right outside our our building were people having uh, a dinner party like on I reckon uh, it was a, a, a wedding reception the girl the one of the girls had a white dress and it, it seemed like a very formal dinner this isn't just to picture this we have a huge pavement in front of our building and an enormous green but they fully set up a full dinner party on the pavement on the pavement but with the public like benches and they just like they 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 were definitely from our building they brought out tables and chairs and stuff and they had their dinner dinner party on the street which i think is like really fucking cool but at the same time i realized that they were playing music and maybe part of the reason why they did that was because people would complain if they were doing that yeah, you, in you, their house you literally can't have people over to your house and this is so funny when i tell other people in this country this i get one of two reactions right the germans say well, of course. What time was it when you had the complaint? Oh, no, of course you can't make any noise. The week, No, the weekend is no different. People must sleep. Of course, come on. And then when I say to anyone else, they're like, who lives here? They're like, oh, no, that didn't happen. No, no, I've had parties plenty of times. Because mm. invariably they live in some sort of trendy drug den in, in like a Kreutz MDMA Keats. Uh, where, yeah. <laughs> where everyone that they live there every neighbor they have is a, is a dj there's or, two extremes yeah there's the only two there's no no one is like yes that happens and it's bad they're either like it doesn't happen because mm -hmm. i i burnt my building to the ground and my neighbors all gave me cake to reward me or they say yes of course and you yeah. should go to jail for a million years <laughs> one of the more infuriating things that happened to me and at the time you were like oh no like that actually makes sense is when we were going through like a bad time uh basically we had to like move out of one of our many apartments that we've lived in Berlin and we had to like um, move our bikes into uh, Garrett's uh, sister's apartment on the other side of Berlin and we, we did that whatever it was obviously after work so it was the evening time we moved our bikes up to their attic because we had nowhere to like hold them um, and then I was walking down the stairs and I was wearing Doc Martens and it was the evening time and um no i don't like basically i was told to to be quiet because i was walking too loud on the stairs going down the stairs and it was just like i was in such a bad mood like we were going through a really shitty time i was so sick of like this bullshit i was just so furious that i can't even fucking make noise with my feet walking down some stairs ah so if you if you treasure your freedom don't live here <laughs> That's all I'll say. Okay, so we've moved to make it sound a little bit better for you. We've moved on our sides and we're now facing each other in a kind of tantric uh, sort of situation. Over here some more. 
It is. It, have you noticed that the vibe is different when we do this? Oh, sorry, bed? I'll turn it off. <laughs> I actually packed my vibe away. I'm, I'm going on a trip, so it's I can't even do that for. Uh, you're gonna have one of those situations where they're like, uh, "Sir, we found something in your uh, in your luggage," and you're gonna be like, "Why are you misgendering me, sir?" Uh, <laughs> It's either an explosive device or a vibrator. Either way, we're, you're going to have to take out all of everything in your suitcase right in front of everybody, including and all your bras and knickers. And yeah, we'll do a cavity search right here. Uh, as you can hear, a very uh, lazy day. Lazy day. I, we, I didn't sleep so well and we had some cocktails. We had two, but um, we had a Mai Tai uh, around the corner from us. And oh my God, it's so strong, but very good. We thought we would ask each other questions that we have planned to ask guests. Have we actually asked any of our guests these questions? I guess we've asked them some. We usually get quite sidetracked, yeah. We do. They they, they distract us with their, their, their wish, their wisdom. Yeah, indeed. We, when we started off this whole thing, we were like, oh, I'm not sure. I don't want to answer these questions like ourselves. Um, but we're asking our guests them, so we might as well. We might as well. We might as well. So this is the, this is the bed question <laughs> <laughs> episode. Let's start off with the first one, which is highlights of sexual career. So, <laughs> Gareth Stag, tell me some highlights of oh your sexual my career. God. Okay. Um, well, I, you know, hmm, I feel like they're yet to. Let's hope they're yet to come. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah, I've had some good moments. I've never climbed Orgy Mountain or um, you know slept with a with with a, a famous um, actress or um, won an award at the Sex Olympics, all of which I intend to do. They're on my bucket list. Okay. <laughs> but um, you know, my I lost my my virginity to my first real girlfriend, mm-hmm. and that was not a great experience, not a highlight. I will tell the story another day, but. Um, we we did end up having having a good sexual connection yeah and uh, so so stick it out you know if you had your first experience it wasn't good stick it out don't give it up stick it out and stick it out and let me touch it and <laughs> before we ever slept together i remember we got naked a couple of times together in her room oh that's very sweet it was so intense yeah, like being imagine. naked with another person and obviously you had an erection, so it was like... I think I was like 18, 19, I had a permanent erection. You had a permanent erection from like 14 to yeah, yeah. like 21 or something. Yeah, I was scouts could have camped under my erection. You know, <laughs> Just lying there naked together was just one of the most intense moments, you know, in my life. And mm. another time, so she had a friend that she perpetually was, was around all the time. Mm-hmm. And she was kind of a mixture of like facilitator of our relationship and relations and also some sort of like human cock block um <laughs> so it, it all went pear-shaped as time went on but one thing she did do was sneak me into her mom's house and then i thought okay well i'm gonna you know we're gonna be in bed together it was like very exciting but actually what happened was i ended up squeezed down the side of the bed and uh, hold her hand all night but then you know Aww. like just very strange like hiding uh, in this woman's house can you imagine a reaction if she found a strange man there very odd anyway um but in the morning just as i was about to leave um my girlfriend came in and she was just wearing a nightie and we uh we 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 had a kiss mm-hmm. and my hand was kind of like a little under her the nightie mm-hmm. and uh i think like kind of just touching it I, did, I didn't like finger her but just kind yeah. of touching her pussy and it just was a palm. 
just the, just maybe a lighting finger. But it was so erotic. And mm. I remember leaving there literally walking on air. Like like that expression, walking on air, I couldn't feel the ground. I was floating instead of walking. Oh, that's so sweet. Such a pervert. <laughs> well, I I think when you're at the beginnings of a romance with someone um it's like the it, romance and 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 the erotic nature can be very much like the same thing yeah um unless you're a person that does isn't that much of a sexual person but like that's in my experience and like there's something so intense and I don't think it ever really changes. Um, one of the most intense uh, things that you can go through, like feeling sexually, is w- the build up, the anticipation of maybe, maybe oh, yeah. something will happen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, when you when you first start to feel a spark with somebody and you don't mm-hmm. know if they like you, every little time they touch your hand or, or walk near you, yeah. you're just your whole body is like quivering and vibrating. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone feels this way, right? Everybody, right? We're not just freaks. I feel like, yeah. What about you? Give me a highlight of your sexual career. I don't even know. For the dedicated listener at home, Nicole is struggling to decide how much to reveal (laughs) because she has had some crazy highlights. Yeah, I mean, like, my sexual experience is quite different to you, though we have a, a similar, we have a similar number. Obviously, because of our age difference, I got a lot of traction a lot of football teams <laughs> oh no 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 <laughs> not the football teams i've already said that i don't like men that do sports <laughs> that's true it's true so it'll never be a football team it'll like be a like golf the... team do they have teams in golf no it'll be you know what hit it'll... the ball one after another <laughs> <laughs> that's still a sport no you know what it'd be it'd be me like nude modeling for the for the class of like artists and and then they paint my body paint on your body it yeah it, it slowly becomes that Oh, we're, we're getting into fantasies now. <laughs> this is not something that happened. No, this is not something that happened. Although Tri Channel did once try and get you to do one of those sushi things where people would eat sushi off you. Oh my God, that is right. This is right after we started dating and you were like, oh, I might be doing this thing. And I was just like, cool. Yeah, definitely do that. Please do that. That sounds really great. I'm, I'm definitely not really upset by that. <laughs> Why would I be upset by people eating sushi off my girlfriend? I don't know. Why would you be upset by someone eating a an onion ring off my cock? Like, <laughs> <laughs> well, the thing about the nude sushi. Okay, let's do, let's do the full the full context. In the end, I was never in that situation, so it, I don't know. Thanks be to fuck. It was in the pipeline for a while, and then they'd be like, Nicole, would you be interested? No, it wasn't going to be just me. It was going to be me and like, uh, <laughs> um. I don't know if I can say who are the people that signed on to do it, but I don't think he'd mind. Um, Paul, uh, so Irish Jesus, he was signed on to do it. It was me and, and another another girl. I won't say the girl. Um, <laughs> that we were going to be naked. And basically, like, how how fax so it was fax channel um worked it was very much a buzzfeed sort of environment so like the office was kind of like this cool place where we just kind of hung out after the shoots and and that kind of stuff the office was massive so they were going to do a thing they did a thing like every friday where they had like a catered lunch um and they were just going to be like right here's your lunch and then they'd open the door <laughs> and it's just like me paul and another person <laughs> buck-ass naked covered in sushi <laughs> <laughs> but um, I I signed on to do it, 
and then it shut down and then back shut down and I'm so glad now that I, I, I literally I bankrupted the company so you wouldn't do it <laughs> Yeah. So you still haven't mentioned any actual sexual highlights. It's true. Um, okay, I thought of one. Um, uh, basically, okay, when I was 18, I did this uh, singing tour um, right when I finished my uh, leaving cert, and it turned out to be kind of a scam. Um, a scam in, in that it had a crazy broad um, contract that if you broke any of the rules in the contract, you would be fired without like them needing to uh, pay you. So as the time went on um, and I was only I did like if maybe two weeks of rehearsal and then two weeks on the road and the whole time the people were like really like like crazy bullies uh, to me. Um, so eventually they fired me because I couldn't I couldn't handle it. Um, and the night that I got fired. Right. So we'd be we'd be traveling all around uh, the country singing in these nursing homes. And because they were cheap cunts, um, we would just drive back to our base, like in Cork, like for hours and then sleep in like the house. Um, so we were supposed to get like a day off uh, the, the the night I got fired, like the next day. So I said, oh, I'm going to go back to Dublin for the day. And they were like, OK, cool. When I went back to the house, they were like, Nicole, we're firing you. And I was like, OK, um, they were like, we're really disappointed in you, um, you know, you had so much potential. You've really, really, really messed up. And we would like you to go like as soon as possible. You will allow you to stay in the stay the night tonight. Keep in mind, it was like midnight. What the fuck did they expect me to do? Can you leave your suitcase uh, downstairs right now so that you don't wake us up in the morning by bringing your bags down in the morning? So I was like, these fuckers. Now, on that tour, <laughs> there was a guy that I was doing the tour with. And basically that night, I snuck into his room. He was like, oh, I heard what happened. Let's say goodbye. And I was like, cool, I'll come into your room. And he was like, yeah. And um, Let's say goodbye in my room. <laughs> let's say goodbye in my room. What a line. The whole time that this tour was happening, Anytime we were in the house, they were really sensitive about noise. Maybe this is why it's a trigger of mine. Like, you know, we'd be downstairs, they'd hear us. We'd have the TV on super low to be like, guys, we can hear you. It's really disrespectful. So I go into that room and proceed to hook up with this guy. <laughs> and it was really loud. It was cool because it was like that build up over time. And like, oh, we were, you know, the guy was a little bit older than me. He was trying to be professional. He was not going to hook up with an 18 year old, you know, in the middle of a six week tour. He was a 60 year old man, dear listener. <laughs> if that disguises his identity, then yes, let's go with that. As soon as I was fired, he was like, come up to my room. So it was like the, these few weeks of like build up and then bam, go into his room. We one night of passion. And also it was a mega fuck you to the people who fired me, to the ones that complain about noise. I'm like, I'll give you noise. And they never said anything. To him. Never said anything to him. Of course not. They, he was a good guy. That they loved him. These, sure, the lads these fuckers wouldn't pay you as well, right? They like didn't pay you the full amount. They never paid me, no. Never paid you anything? They never paid me anything. They said, out of the goodness of our hearts, um, we will pay you, I think it was 750 euro for your two weeks of work. Um, but we, we don't have to legally. And then they said that um, my invoice was incorrect or like, please send a proper invoice. Meanwhile, I got my auntie who does the accounts for uh, the company that he works, uh, that she works for 
to to do my invoice like my proper one um and they were like no it's not a real invoice like the proper gaslighting fuckers they were like actual like con con artists and they, yeah, they, they ended up like changing their names and like fleeing the country yeah they declared bankruptcy deleted everything like they were proper cowboys and sometimes i think about sending them like threatening letters in the mail just you should, you should. Yeah. If you can, and if you can find them, it's like the A team. Well, I do know that house, and it was definitely a family home. Oh, you think they still live but there? They never told us who whose family it was, but I. I the family tell. were dead in the basement. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, not that sexy, but it was. It was. It was the fact that it was. I was fired, mm. and it was like mm, last night of. Yeah. I suppose another. I don't come off well on this one, but something that I've always enjoyed is when you're like single, but you're casually dating people and you're like casually dating multiple people. Yeah. And for me, like, like spending the night with someone and then they leave in the morning and then just like texting the other person and going over and hooking up with them, (gasps) which I've done a a couple of times, um, Mm -hmm. several times. uh, It just is like the best feeling in the world. Yeah, you feel like you are like the master of people. No, not like I'm so manipulative. No, no, it's just more like, ah, yes, I drown in the endless river of pussy. Yeah, for me, I feel like very powerful. I'm like, I am an enchantress. And yes, I can have you and I can have you. (laughs) Actually, when I met you or when we went on our first date, we already knew each other for for a few years. Um, I was in one of those spells. but that was mostly because I was in an open relationship and I felt in my head like this kind of competitiveness with my partner. I yeah, was like, open relationship. Yeah, you were you were briefly dating someone who was like, by the way, I'm a relationship anarchist and I'm just going to fuck whoever I want. That's not an open relationship. That's an abusive relationship. Well, she was like, do you want to be my girlfriend? And I was like, yeah. And she was like, are you okay with it being open? And I was like... I got nothing else going on. Okay, well, okay. fair, fair. But then but then also she was, like, not talking to you for weeks at a time and just disappearing and stuff. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, I felt okay to, to enter a relationship with Gareth then and break it off. Um, so what's our next question? Do you, God, you hear it again? It's like another beast outside. <laughs> I'm a German car. <laughs> How do you think your sexual preferences have changed one of the tragedies of my life is that my sexual preferences don't change. I'm always attracted to the same thing, which is like hot young girls. Hot young girls. <laughs> now clarify young for the listeners at like, home. Let's get political for a second. So I think, okay, it's going to get edgy up in here, right? But there's a myth. There's a myth that that, uh, we, that Western countries are patriarchies, right? And here's why it's a myth. Because if it was true, there would be straight bathhouses on every corner and sexual morality would be an ironic joke. Because basically dudes spend their whole time lying about their preferences or, or, or repressing them. Which is not saying that's a bad thing. We also repress the desire to murder. We repress the, you know, the desire to, um, to, to, to eat until we explode. You know, all, lots of things are repressed. But I definitely would say that for me, I'm still attracted to what I was attracted to when I was, you know, 22, which is, you know, girls from sort of 19 to to, to 20, 26. <laughs> Thank you for adjusting the age to accommodate my age, because I'm now aging out of your preferences. Sorry, Nicole, it's uh, it's over. You're leaving the country and leaving my heart. Oh my god. No, you're 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 fantastically well preserved, as fortunately am I. <laughs> but you have to. It's not. It's not like Gareth has exclusively only dated... He's not a leader to DiCaprio, let's say that. I wish. No, no, yeah. I've, dated, I've dated people in their 30s and whatever. No, it's no it's no big deal. I'm just talking about, like, absolute preference, you know, not mm-hmm. like 
what you'll what you'll what you'll settle for. <laughs> I don't know. Wow. Just look. The thing is that the people treat preferences as moral, but they're not. You, you like what you like. Mm-hmm. Now, whether you act on it or not is different. But you like what you like, and no one should feel ashamed for that. If you're, you know, if you're um, a lesbian and you're attracted mm-hmm. to uh, exclusively to girls that look like what's that young fella, uh, Justin Bieber? He's now in his mid forties. That young fella, yeah. the one who famously looks like a you know a teenage lesbian. You know, if that's your preference, then it's your preference. There's nothing wrong with it. Mm-hmm. You know, you like that. And if you're an aging gay guy and you're attracted exclusively to twinks, well. I mean, you might not get it, but mm-hmm. it's what you like. You like it, you know. How exclusive are people's preferences when they say that? Because that's where I get confused. Mm-hmm. Because I feel like, okay, for me, um, with women, I'm definitely into that, like Shane from the L word, like Elizabeth Salander, like kind of look. Like if I see a girl that looks like that, I'm like, fucking hell, yum. You've said this before, but Shane from the L word looks like a bloke, and Elizabeth Salander looks like a hot goth. So that's a big difference. You know, those are two very different types, I would say. Mm, I don't think they're different at all. They're Okay, they're extremely different to a straight guy. You mm-hmm. know, again, Shane, extremely masculine, presenting masculine face. Elizabeth Sander, certainly in the David Fincher film, mm. um, played by one of those um, skinny, blinky girls. The, the Mara. Played by uh, Ro- Rooney and or um, Katie Mara. <laughs> one of them plays. It's a, Rooney. It's um, the weird one. <laughs> Well, like, you know, like gorgeous, like objectively Mm -hmm. gorgeous. So to me, that's an interesting thing because they seem Shane is very masculine Mm. and Rooney Mara is very, very feminine. But where I get confused is that, okay, you could say I have a preference when it comes Mm to to women, um, but I like never have dated anyone that looks like that. And I'm totally capable of being sexually attracted to them. And then when it comes to men, okay, men, it's way more broad for me. Mm-hmm. Um, like my, who I'm capable of being attracted to is like ranges from fucking uh, Ezra Miller, not anymore. Cause he's, oh, I hope by the time this episode comes out, he's not like in prison or dead or something anyway um <laughs> to like louis ck like it, it's that broad <laughs> so exclusively uh, like creepy people who are famous for uh, molesting their fans and co-workers no 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 <laughs> well you found your man well of course in, in on the <laughs> on the spot only the worst possible people i have found myself attracted to have come to mind but when people say oh i have a you know this is my preference this is what i like i'm like hmm. does that mean like you're not into no, anything else it's like a kink versus a fetish right so a kink is something you enjoy and a fetish is something you can only get off with mm. traditionally in the you know sexological literature yeah. so if you have a kink for leather it's like oh it's so hot when someone wears leather or when i wear leather if you've got a fetish for leather you know you can only finish or, or really really enjoy yourself while while clad in your tight leather pants or whatever mm-hmm. whatever version of that so yeah for, that's what i would say with preference like yeah. yeah like you know i would have some like ideal types where i'm like you know, celebrities. I look at like Jennifer Lawrence or, mm-hmm. okay, so maybe like Belle Delphine or something, and I'm like, that's mega hot. Yeah. But it's not like, oh, I don't find someone attractive. They don't look like like, like a Hollywood star slash, uh, OnlyFans girl or something. Yeah. You know, not at all. Yeah, it's it's the it's the cream of the crop. Rise to the top. But I think my preferences, like, have you found your preferences have changed like through dating me? Because I feel like mine have have through dating you. I don't think my preferences have changed through dating you, but now that we're talking about it, they have changed for sure. When I was younger, um, I was definitely into like girls who are a bit more curvaceous. 
Mm. Um, and the girls that I was attracted to, like as a as a young teenager, the first girls I crushed on, well, they didn't didn't all necessarily look like this, but I definitely liked kind of girls that were kind of curvy and stuff. And my preference became much more conventional as time went on. Yeah. And I don't know if that's the media or just experience. I don't know. But it did change for sure. Yeah. For me, I definitely find myself more attracted to older men having started dating you. Oh, that's very sweet. It is kind of sweet, isn't that's it? Very sweet. Yeah. <laughs> and you're here with the oldest man. The oldest man. The last in living the world. man. Oh. <laughs> I resemble a turtle. At least part of me does. <laughs> okay, what else? What else? What else? Yeah. Um, what is like the funniest moment in your in your sex or love life? Um, maybe the time that my nana walked in on me having sex the second time, <gasps> and you were like, "Join in, nana." No, 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 no. It was more like. <laughs> So I obviously had like crazy reflexes and and trauma from her walking in the first time. Um, And just a recap, she didn't see anything the first time. Uh, Myself and my girlfriend put the blanket over our heads and just hid and she closed the door immediately. But that that was terrifying. This time I was buck ass naked, not under the the covers. Um, I can't remember what kind of position I was in, but basically I was in a position where... I was like near the end of my bed and um, luckily my childhood bedroom is basically similar to like a train cabin, like like very, very, very tiny uh, room. So I heard her call me being like, Cole, are you in there? And she went to open the door and I, from my bed, this shows how small the room is, grabbed the handle of the door, screamed, and like shut it, like like with a force, just ah! <laughs> and gave her an absolute heart attack. But then I made my girlfriend hide in my wardrobe to like further prove to my nana if she had any kind of suspicion from my extremely Last suspicious time she response. Have a sense of smell. Oh. Anyway, sex has a stank. It, it it do be having a stank though. <laughs> <laughs> um, so for some reason, I was like, I need to prove to her if she has any suspicions because how I behave was totally not chill. Um, that I don't have anyone in here. So I forced my my ex into my wardrobe. I was like, please, can you just like hide in here for a moment? Which I'm sure your nana didn't hear. Um, she's half deaf, so advantage. Um, hence why she's always been like Nicole is that you in there she doesn't she can't hear I wonder how loud she listens to this podcast no <laughs> well you know now that we're on Amazon podcasts she she can say Alexa <laughs> oh my god she really could everybody she? wants to love you put that on <laughs> oh golly um so I, I literally had a conversation with my nana where I was like, oh, yeah, no. Oh, sorry. I was getting dressed. <laughs> and like deliberately like had my bedroom door wide open so she could see this perfectly made bed. I'm wearing clothes. Um, and meanwhile, my girlfriend is in my wardrobe. Time for a talk about something, Nicole. Now let's have a long no. talk. I brought a soup. No, thank God. But like, um, y- you know having conversations with your relatives when you 
need to get out of that conversation fairly quick it's it's not going to end well no. like i it, it did go on longer the conversation than uh, i expected <laughs> my poor girlfriend was buck ass naked in in the wardrobe looking through her crack like in a david lynch movie <laughs> oh, no. i feel like all my sexual and rom- romantic things there's always an element of tragedy to them yeah oh yeah okay i have one it's not horrific or, or anything but i just thought it was funny so I was on OkCupid for a long time and I remember I went on this OkCupid date and I think I was relatively freshly single. So, you know, you always go, you, for me anyway, you always t- take take dates. It's like when you you're, when you just lost your job, you're like interviewing for places you would never want to work. Yeah. <laughs> you do the same thing. You're, you're like rounding up. You're like, oh yeah, I'll go on this date. And then you, you really no intention of dating the person. I went on this date with this girl and I was like 15 minutes late and I, I rocked up and she was pissed out of her head already. And no. she was like, oh, you're late. So I, I had a few pints. I was like, a few pints? In 15 minutes. In 15 minutes, yeah. And I remember her <laughs> as being quite a stocky wench, but maybe I'm exaggerating in my memory. But anyway, she was definitely not like my type. Um, and she was like, I always have fun on dates. I always have a good time. And I was like, why do you know you're always going to have a good time? And she's like, because I always get laid and stuff. And I, immediately I was just thinking, not this time. Oh. <laughs> and and she was just a very kind of like loud, brash, brassy kind of dame, you know, which is exactly not what I go for. I'm not like I'm I'm looking for a demure uh, woman who will do what I say and shut up. But yeah, like I'm pretty loud. You're loud the same way I'm loud, which is that like you're boisterous. But this mm-hmm. was just a kind of a bellowing woman, you know, mm-hmm. and uh, God, a poor, poor woman, I'm slating her here. No, she's a perfectly nice person, but just very much not my type, kind of very sports and, and you know, pop music, I'm assuming, you know, this this kind of person, just a sort of a... yeah. And the tragedy of, Just a horn. of the fact that she she was like, well, you, you're going to get lucky. Yeah. I always have a good time. A, a little part of your brain is like, mm, I'm going to be the exception. I don't know. But I also wasn't attracted to her. And mm. so I had just come back from this sum, this summertime fling I'd had in America. And I was like mad about someone else. And I was trying to get over it by dating people. Mm. Eventually, I had to just say to her, like, um, listen, I, I actually, I think I have feelings for someone else. And I kind of shouldn't have come on this date. Oh so, and then she turned, there was some couple next to us. And she was like, he's after telling me that he's, he's in love with someone else. And they were like, what? And yeah, he's here on this date. And she kind of opened it up to the bar. <laughs> And they were, they were, you know, like, what a bastard. What are you even doing? And, and, and she's like, I know. Love it. I kind of anyway. like this girl, though. Like, yeah. what mad bitch just yeah, she, opened up to everyone. I mean, she was pissed out of her head. Like, That's which, a way to get over, like, some kind of, like, embarrassing yeah. situation. You're like, I'm just going to own this. What I thought was kind of bizarre was that she was so presumptuous that she was going to get laid. And I guess most guys would be like, well, fair enough, a hole's a hole. But I'm not like that at all. If I'm not attracted to someone, I'm not going to have sex with them. So, like, we parted on good terms. We kind of made a joke out of it and stuff. But the whole thing was was so bizarre. And so, like, the the vibe between us was so different. She was, like, a, a ladette. Mm-hmm. And I am... I don't know, not not that. You're not a lad. I'm not a lad. You're not the lad to her lad. No. She'd finished work. She had a couple of fights. She was looking for the ride. And that's all not what I'm into. I'm into passion. I'm into kink. And I'm into like perviness. And yeah. not like, woo, here we are. Let's have the ride. Like, no, I don't like it. So. She sounds fun, though, even though she humiliated you. No, no, no. Her. And I was glad because I felt better yeah. that she was able to kind of embarrass me because then I didn't have to feel so bad. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. really what I wanted to do is I wanted to turn up and it to be 
someone that I found attractive and just have sex and not, you know, but I just was so not into her. And I'm so not into the vibe of the whole night. And it just wasn't. And I was also brokenhearted. And yeah, it's not really CC. It's not really funny. It's more tragic, the whole thing. <laughs> Wait, no, I have another one that just occurred to me. I have to tell this story. Oh, my God. it's This is veering more towards embarrassing. Mm. Oh, fucking hell. This sends shivers down my fucking spine. Oh, my God. I went on a date with this girl and it was a second date. And the first date went off great. Importantly enough, she had an apartment. She was she was like this rich kid, basically. Like, you know, her parents were paying for her to to, to go to a certain art school and, and live in this apartment. And yeah. Um, and she basically I was like, Great, a place where I can have sex. Amazing. So the second date, I was like, Okay, this is definitely gonna be the time that we do it. We go back to her apartment and do it. Um but she brought a friend of hers on our second date and it was to this uh, place where there was like poetry like all these writers were getting up and like reading her we go to the venue so it's just it just looks like a group of girls on a night out to go to a poetry reading and i run into a writer friend of mine and she goes oh my god nicole hey hey and uh she goes and sits down beside me so she's on the right of me and my date is on the left of me and she turns to me and she was like how do you know her and i was like oh you know we just oh we just met recently and she was like oh yeah yeah do you want to come to the bathrooms with me and i was like yeah okay so i go to the bathroom with her and she goes oh my god like you're not good friends with her are you and i was like uh <laughs> no <yet>. no <laughs> and she was like oh my god she's such a little bitch oh i grew up with her in insert town here and she was the younger sister of um like one of my one of my friends and she was always such a spoiled little bitch oh god i hate her so much she's like i hope you don't mind me saying that i was like oh yeah no no, that's mad meanwhile i'm panicking because now we're gonna go back into the venue i have to somehow like in my head i was like i can't act like i'm on a date now because there's no way that i can turn around i've left it too long to say anything like oh she's actually my date (laughs) So naturally, I was like, okay, I'm just going to be purely platonic with this girl for the rest of the date. <gasps> no. So I sit back down. Um, my friend uh, sits down again to the right of me. Only this time, my date. <laughs> she takes my hand. <laughs> and I obviously, so now I'm I'm feeling awkward about her. I'm like, oh yeah, of course, I'll take your hand. And she's like putting her arm around me and she's like playing with my hair and everything. Meanwhile my friend sitting next to me is having her own embarrassing moment and she just like looks at me with horror and she whispers in my ear and she goes uh, Nicole are you on a fucking date and I was like yeah and she was like right and we all just sit there we're like one or two more poems being read out and then she like my friend just is like I'm, I'm gonna go out for a smoke and like <laughs> when she comes back like she doesn't sit next to us she just kind of like stalks around the room uh, obviously avoiding us and it was so embarrassing there's just so much to say about this first of all this sounds like the worst date of all time it's the worst uh yeah later that night then i went uh, back to her apartment and then because she she had her friend staying over she didn't want to fuck me so i ha- i like missed my last bus home i had to like basically walk home why did she invite you back i don't know I have no idea. I feel um, like all of these, every single interaction here, they could all be avoided by just someone having the cop on to just be honest. I know. 
And this is my 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 regular critique about like girls in general. It's like it's life becomes like a like one of these ridiculous sitcoms where you know like a French farce where someone's in the someone literally in the closet and all this <laughs> stuff because all you had to do was be honest and none of this never needed to happen once you started talking shit about her like I just I couldn't I couldn't find the moment that I could be like she's my date I'm on a date with her oh no <laughs> this is this happens with your very good friends as well where some mad thing happens and it gets so complicated I'm just like why don't you just be honest I could never be honest that would ruin everything it was so embarrassing and like I was dealing with my own embarrassment and also I got really bad secondhand embarrassment so I was dealing with my friends I was like Ugh. I've got it. I thought of another funny one and yeah. maybe I've told this stop me if I've told this already on the podcast because this is a story I always think about yeah. I went on a, a date I think it was after my first relationship ended I went on a date another okay Cupid date and uh, girl was really cute super cute I was like mm-hmm. whoa she's so cute she was from South Africa and she was mad about herself so one of the first things she said was the thing about me is I'm really interesting. I'm like a really fascinating, interesting person. And dear reader, she was not particularly <laughs> interesting. Very cute, but not interesting. And she just kind of kept talking about herself and how she had all these servants in South Africa and all this weird stuff. Oh. She did tell me this one story about how her parents let her go to school. They let her walk to school, but they wouldn't have an armed car drive behind to keep her safe. Because South Africa is so dangerous, you know. At least Johannesburg is She's got a lift in the car. Get a lift in the car. Well, it gave her a bit of independence. But anyway, she was mad about herself. And it was very clear that she was like disappointed in me or not not that interested. But I was because she was so cute. I was like, okay, she's really annoying and super up herself, but she's really cute. I want to make something happen here. I gotta get the leg over yeah. in this one. Well, just like you with the dumbass going to a poetry reading date, I also picked a terrible venue, a cinema. So we had a drink, and then I was like, well, let's go see this movie. Uh... And so we went to the movie, and the trailer started. And there was a trailer for some incredibly brain dead Jason Statham action movie where he's, you know, re- oh, yeah. wrestling a car and like punching a snake and all that. So whatever it is he does in his movies and talking in a British accent. And she literally, she first of all, the way she sat down in the cinema was amazing. She insists on sitting at the back. She put her feet up on the row in front of her, even though there were people sitting right next to it, like fully legs over dangling over the seat these are quite high as well pure princess as the Jason Statham trailer proceeded she turned to me she goes now that's a real man (laughs) 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 me this kind of willowy like a a feet uh, like pseudo intellectual with glasses oh oh, well I guess I'm not a real man then I'm a little boy what a cow what kind of fucking power move was that I know but the worst part is like after the date I still texted her again because I was she was so cute I was such a fucking idiot that's the power of beauty right there I think that's my thing my kink or my fetish or my preference Mm. is beauty right and everybody likes beauty but I'm like really affected by it a lot I said that to my mum once and she goes oh I'm the same I'm like I've seen my father like he's a fucking monster (laughs) and um, and she said oh yeah well obviously your father's not the best looking but a handsome man but but like your father uh, he looks like one of the League of Gentlemen like he literally is yeah Yeah, it's a local shop for local people and he acts like one as well you know what he looks like he looks like (laughs) Philip Seymour Hoffman if he'd survived the heroin overdose and just become a street addict like like, but one of those junkies that instead of being skinny is like really fat Mm. that's what he looks like so I have that to look forward to. That's what you're going to turn yeah, into. I, I literally am a clone of my father. So good luck. No, I don't like anything like him. He's a ginger. That's true. That's true. You don't have the ginger. He's a baldy ginger and I still have quite a lot of hair for a man of my vintage. Yes, you do. And didn't your mom say to you one time, she was like, oh, well, your father had a full head of hair until he turned 
35 and then he went bald no, overnight. she says 30. I think I, I was 29 when she said it and I was like, ah, well, years have gone by. I still have me hair. So I don't know about him, but I still have me hair. <laughs> going grey. And I think grey is a good sign, right? Because, you know, I always think of that Woody Allen thing in Annie Hall. He's like, I hope I just become the, sti- the distinguished grey instead of going bald. He didn't. <laughs> He did not. He is grey, but he is also pretty well, bald. Hopefully, I may. my grandfather, my maternal grandfather, had a big full head of hair until he was dying cancer. So he, yeah, he, he was a very well preserved man. I think I take after him. Although he was buff, which I definitely don't take after. That's a real man. That is. That's a real. Your man. grandfather. That's a real man. <laughs> she would have loved my grandfather. Should have brought him along on the date. Oh my god, I'm terrible. I I just automatically gave her a Dublin accent. <laughs> she wasn't from Dublin. She was from Johannesburg. So our friend Constantine, who we had in the podcast in episode two, we're supposed to be meeting him in 20 minutes, but I messaged to say, oh, we're busy with packing. <laughs> and he said, please do not be later than 5 p.m. I already made the snack and it will get soggy. <laughs> oh, that gives me such anxiety. I'm like, oh, fuck. So German, though. Okay. Well, we can get mega deep here. Mega deep. <laughs> what is love? I, I was talking to Constantine. I think we brought it up in, in episode eight, but I'll say it again. I think love is when... Love is when you hang out with Constantine. No, um, <laughs> love, love is when you feel seen by someone in a way that you would like to see yourself, but never knew you could. And it's mutual. You see the beauty in them, the things in them that 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 they would like to be. And and they like being seen that way and you like seeing them that way. And What if I told you I see you as Jason Statham? All right, love. You can come over here and sit in my baldy head. <laughs> What I think, I, I actually haven't considered what I what I think love is. I think... Shoot from the hip there, baby. I just shot from the hip. You shot from the hip, it sounds like. I shot. I shot from the hip. I don't think there's like an umbrella term that you can describe love as because how I see love is very much like in different categories. Mm-hmm. So like there's obviously the love that you experience um, when you're very young and you've only been with someone for like a year or something. That's very different to like love uh you know like our kind of love i think we have a great kind of love the one where we've been together for almost five years and you know where we're chucking along and we you know we cuddle in and and kiss and all that all that good stuff and yeah and there's obviously the love of like i don't know like a typical like your parents where they sit on the couch and they watch tv and you know you never see them like well, cuddle you, or you kiss. say that but neither of our parents are together i mean sorry that's, that's wow wishful thinking my oh. parents are together but they don't have that kind of relationship and your parents aren't together so you, that's that's a tv parents thing right i i don't know or, or I, that you're thinking of your friend's parents I guess. yeah i think i did a lot of over the years observing my my friend's parents and there's that uh, kind of love that Constantine was talking about in episode two about the about the old couple that have been through everything together, even like infidelities, you know, sickness, health, you know, 60 plus years of their marriage. But when people talk about that as love, mm-hmm. I don't think that is. I think that's codependence and it can be support and it can be kindness. Mm-hmm. But that's not. I just think that what we do is we sort of have this. It's almost romanticizing it, but like desexualizing it because we're so anti-sex. What what they have, yeah, they're loving, but the cliche is that's real love. You know, when you hold the hand of as the dying, it's mm. not not love, but love is so much more than just that. You know, yeah. like you say, there's lots of different kinds, and and if that was the only kind of love, it'd be a sad world. You know. Yeah. Well, I I still recognize all of those kinds of relationships, and obviously, there's much more as 
examples of love um i can talk about like my ideal like love is is still being playful with each other um you know still being physically affectionate with each other if you can um i just mean in terms of like illness if something mm-hmm. happens like later on in your, your life lips fall off so you can't kiss yeah exactly um <laughs> just a skull that's <laughs> <laughs> very sad yeah it would uh, be sad wouldn't it? it would be very sad it's my skull and i think also uh to me i think an element of sex of a sex life some kind of uh, sex life is is essential i think so too to me in my definition of like what i want love to be mm-hmm. for myself i think people get so weird about sex and it comes from pain mm-hmm. you know they, they don't have enough touch most of us don't have enough touch or they they go long, long periods of time when they get older or or, or whatever let's say when they're younger because they're kind of insulty without without sexual relations of any kind mm-hmm. and so they they split off sex and love and then sex becomes this thing where it's like oh, i don't need sex or i might need it but it's kind of dirty or the most important thing is this and that and it's mm-hmm. and it's just as important and it's just as much part of love and I mean, it's just as tragic, I think, if you have love without sex as if you have sex without... Well, sex without love can be fun, but if it's mm-hmm. your relationship, sex without love isn't great, um, you know? Yeah. I think it's just as big a part of romantic love as, yeah. as anything else. And I totally understand that, you know, what happens to a lot of people, you could say most people in relationships, is that they stop um, having that desire for each other and, you know, you're... 30, 40 years into being mm-hmm. with each other and that's not there anymore, but you're still quite affectionate with each other. Yeah. Like I, I recognize that, but I, w- I would, I would love to, I would love, I would, for me, I want a relationship where we still have some kind of like sex life and maybe my mind will change in a few years. I'm like, Bleh. Jesus Christ. But I don't know. I'm not saying there's an inkling of that right now, but it, you know, you don't know what you're going to be like in the future. Like when they get a waddle. Oh, is a waddle like when you have like a like a wobbly neck? Yeah, it's like a, a little hard ball hanging from your neck yeah. that all people get. Nasty. Like by waddle. No. Yeah, no, but I'm. I always think like, why not? If they really both feel like that, why not open up the relationship? You know, because obviously, mm. the the tragic truth that we don't admit is that people have a sexual value currency that changes with time. You know, when you age, your your value on the dating market goes down. Mm. Uh, if you get fatter, it goes down. If you get uh, facial um, disfigurement, it goes down. If you look mm. ill or tired, it goes down. If you're, you know, successful, it goes up. If you're wealthy, it goes up. All these things affect your attractiveness. And sure, when you've been together 40 years, maybe you're both not exactly, you know, top 10 in the in the league of most dateable to the general public. But there are other people out there who are also uh, of your age or of your condition. And, and I think, like, sure, if you love each other and you're not sexually attracted anymore, stay together and just have an open relationship. Like, why, why is that impossible? Why... You know, I just feel like there's such rigidity around that kind of stuff. Yeah, I don't know. I, I, I can imagine, like, the, the concept of that, um, even if you don't have some kind of sex life, sex life anymore, can be very hard for people to wrap their head around. Yeah, but I think there's a lot of... You hear it on, on, on Sex Problem podcasts a lot where someone's like, Dan, it's always Dan Savage, <laughs> Dan, you know, my wife and I, we have a great relationship, but we haven't had sex in five years, but she tells me that she doesn't want me to sleep with someone else. And I kind of think, okay, well that is the ultimate in selfishness you're you're depriving someone else of a sex life because you don't want to sleep with them and that's not that's not something you should be able to do sex is important mm. 
and we even Don Savage is a very you know sex centered uh, podcaster and a dump the motherfucker already he often will say to people when they have having had sex with their partner for like two years you know well you know you're raising kids or you're you know they're going through this illness you know you have to put your feelings aside and I think quite frankly it's easy for him to say because he's never been in that position mm -hmm. but there's a tremendous pain and cruelty in depriving somebody of sex for multiple years you know like if I um, had some illness where I couldn't or lost all desire for sex. Mm. I, I wouldn't be like, Nicole, you, you're just gonna have to put up with it. Like, it's just not, I think that's very cruel. I think it's hugely like uh, dependent on the exact situation. It's a case by case basis. Um, yeah. And you can't, I'm not trying to dictate anyone else's relationship for them, but mm. I think if your partner is living a life of quiet desperation, then you are not, that's not okay. Mm -hmm. Like if, if you like, you're bisexual and if you were one of those people that's like I absolutely need both in my life like mm -hmm. we, I either wouldn't go out with you or we would figure it out where it would you could do that I wouldn't be like well we're just gonna have to round down like mm -hmm. it doesn't I just don't think it's fair to cut people's limbs off sexually like that it's yeah. you know it's hard to find what you like it's hard to find peace with yourself and it's it shouldn't be the cost of dating somebody shouldn't be that somebody has to neglect mm -hmm. their preferences and their selfhood like it's just cruel and selfish to, to do that relationships are just so tough i mean like i always say it but like to to find someone that you that likes you back you're both attracted yeah. to each other you both get on like uh and you're both available for a relationship is like it's so, it's so rare hard. it's so yeah. hard and then when you when you're together you can end up just hurting each other so much mm -hmm. that even though all those things are true you still shouldn't be or can't be together exactly so you know when you find out down the line that like you know both of you like either of you have like different sexual preferences and i i don't know or they the person has changed to a certain degree they don't want the same things it's just I when I think of being in uh, think of those people that are in those scenarios I have nothing but not to get all high and mighty but like like empathy in a way because it's just so hard but I I guess what I'm trying to say is it, sh it shouldn't be as hard and part of why it's hard is people trying to hold on to other people in this sort of game of like power and protecting themselves and if we had less of a this is why I'm so sex positive. If we regard as sex as less precious and more lovely, then it wouldn't be such a big deal. If people would have more sex, they'd have sex with more people. It wouldn't be so tense, the fight over sex. Do you know, there will always be people that can't get laid because they're, they come off as weird or they look mm -hmm. very strange or, or whatever it is. And that's awful. But I think a lot of people are afraid to be single because they're afraid they won't find someone again or won't even get laid again mm -hmm. and and if we kind of loosened up around sex that wouldn't be such an issue and and scarcity makes people crazy and upset and it, it's not necessary there's nothing about sex that means we shouldn't be having it or it should only be reserved for and i think we're in a downswing again i see this coming this big wave of people saying oh casual sex was a mistake and the 60s weren't a great idea and sex positivity made people do things that, and it's all bullshit it's all just people have had bad experiences mostly because they didn't have good boundaries and instead of learning from them and developing better boundaries and you know advocating for that they're rounding down to sex is dangerous and powerful and we shouldn't have it so casually and i disagree i think it should be much more casual um, so maybe one let's ask one more question because we, we have to get ready to go see our friend before his, his treat goes soggy <laughs> if you know what I mean it's, yes and what I wanted to say as well um, one thing that I don't understand that I see a lot in a lot of relationships um, 
is people being like like mean to each other and obviously like that's very uh, broad obvious thing to say but there's one thing that I in particular don't like is like you know the couple that's like oh he's always like this oh I'm talking about specific things that I've seen like over the years of like where you just like you moan about your partner or you moan about the partner like to you or absolutely I've done it I've been that that soldier where you're fighting with someone or they're behaving in a way that you find completely unacceptable because you were raised a different way or whatever it is mm-hmm. and you end up complaining to your friends and it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy because now they have this relationship mediate with that person mediated by what you've said about them mm-hmm. and you go back having sort of said this and made it more concrete and real yeah but it, it's a it's a funny one because you still you have to be free mm. to talk to your friends. Of you have course. to be free because otherwise, I mean, people can be abused and all sorts and not talk, tell anyone. You mm-hmm. have to be able to say how you feel, but you also don't want to be, you probably don't want to be with a partner that you feel that you feel the need to say negative things about all the time. Yeah. And even in like a, in a humorous way, one thing that I don't like is like when someone's like, oh, that's so typical of you. Oh, you're always doing that. That's a typical Nicole. Like, it makes me feel like total shit. Mm. And I, I really don't want to be like in a relationship where someone's like, oh, you've done it again. You know, like that kind of thing, because mm-hmm. it, it really is putting you in a box and you feel like you can't like, I don't know, uh, not be yourself. I don't know. Like, I, I've been in relationships before where like everything was like sunshine and roses. And then these kind of like, uh this way of speaking starts to slip in and it really freaks me out um now obviously things can't be all sunshine and roses in any relationship and eventually you know you do go down from that kind of like honeymoon high but i don't think you should have to settle for um like negging each other in this kind of way and passing it off as like humor being like oh he's always doing that Uh in front of like your dinner guests it's a very irish thing as well i think and it may be part of it's because of single sex schools you know Mm -hmm. people learning to see the other sex as this kind of weird other Mm -hmm. and and then kind of hanging out with mates of the same sex all the time because if you're in a mixed group you're going to be way less likely to be like oh my girlfriend's such a bitch you know or whatever or my boyfriend's oh you know men you know if, if you're if you're exclusively hanging out with on that divide with you, then you're going to be more inclined to 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 other your partners and to mm-hmm. talk about them as well. There is space for you to be able to slag off your partner, of course. Mm-hmm. And I know a lot of people and friends of mine that that's their also their way of communicating with people. Like if they show that how they show they like you, if they start slagging you off a bit and I can take a slag. Yeah, but but slagging you to your face is very different to slagging you behind your back. Yeah, yeah, true. True I mean, friends stab you in the front, as Oscar Wilde said. Did he say that? I think so. He said a lot of things. <laughs> <laughs> okay, 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 okay. Oh, the next question is, um, what are your sexual ambitions? <laughs> well, let's just get it out there first. I mean, obviously, my sexual ambitions are threesomes and <laughs> something we haven't done yet. I can't believe you're saying this on the podcast. Well, you know, it's I knew true. it was going to come, but yeah. Uh, I mean, so yeah, it's, it's something I'm very keen on. Having been with many bisexuals, most of whom have had lots of uh, adventurous uh, multiple partner situations, mm-hmm. I, I, I definitely fantasize about it a lot. Mm-hmm like an abnormal amount oh my god <laughs> people now know this hello uh, this is something that i've like discussed in a uh, hushed tones to my friends being like gareth he, he wants you know a threesome and all this kind of stuff and yeah and it, occasionally they'll be like hey, nicole what's what's the updates on that 
<laughs> I'm like, nothing's happened yet. <laughs> but it's a very tricky thing. I mean, like, you know, we've been on apps and stuff. Um, this could be a whole episode. It in could. Itself, I'm sure a future, future one. Ideally with a special guest on the show. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Well, you have now had a threesome with Nicole and Gareth. We, we've got a microphone ready. And they're like, what? Yeah. What, what are you talking about? <laughs> the microphone descends from the ceiling. This is why we've done the episode from the bed. So we're, we're getting used to the idea of doing this setup. <laughs> exactly. It's, can you, it's already awkward and uncomfortable with the two of us and these two giant microphones. I thought we'd have the little lapel mics, but now we have like we have our actual podcast mics on stand with the recorder on my ribs. <laughs> you've been in, you've been a perfect uh, gentlewoman about it. Thank you. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So what are, what are your sexual ambitions? My sexual ambitions. I would love to go to a sex club. Like we we live. I said that too loud. I suddenly became very conscious of our nosy neighbors. <laughs> um. <laughs> We, we live in Berlin and um, there is, it is very widely commonly accepted that there are, if your club isn't completely dedicated to sex, there will be a floor or a room, normally a dark room, so it's completely dark, where people like have sex in the room. And I don't want to like have sex with like multiple people um, in the dark rooms, it's not what I want, but I, I'm intrigued by the idea of going to a place where you walk in, like Kit Kat, um, where you walk in wearing sexy clothes yeah. and other people are fucking around you. I've never been in that situation before and it sounds yeah. hot to me. And I'm totally down to do it. It's definitely not my, my interest, but I'm totally down to do it. But the issue that we keep running into, and there are a bunch of these clubs, like you said, Kit Kat and Insomnia and stuff in Berlin. But the issue is that y- they all have these crazy dress codes, right? Mm-hmm. And this sounds like a silly thing, but it's really not. It's actually very expensive as a guy, as a girl, to you want know, to dress in a way that will get you into a sex club. You just dress skimpily. I literally could just wear my bra and knickers. You could just wear your bra and knickers. But I would also have to wear your bra and knickers. <laughs> you know, there's nothing that I own that would get me into a regular club in Berlin, mm-hmm. let alone a sexy club. So you either have to go like extreme kind of gothic, crazy high fashion, or you have to wear like some kind of like leather outfit. And that shit is pricey AF. It's so expensive. We actually walked through. Um, we we went through a few kind of like we went sex we went kink clothing shopping <laughs> yeah. in in Schoneberg, the the gay district, the which gay district. which naturally has all these kinds of clothes. Yeah, it had all the like if you watch RuPaul's Drag Race, all the like Andrew Christian underwear where it's like the cheeks are like cut out of the <laughs> of the briefs. Well, this is the second part of it, right? Because <laughs> I'm not gay and I'm not a sub, so I don't want to dress to a sex club in a way that invites getting like you know. Buckered, um, because I'm not into that. And and mm. so, how do you dress in such a way that it's appropriate for the sex club? It's not going to cost like 800 euro. Because really, this shit is like a single t-shirt is like 300 euro. So some how, can be some some can be, but the cheapest ones are still like hundreds of euro. And and so, how do you dress in such a way that's appropriate, will get you in, mm. but also isn't sort of like submissive? It's it's like a hard thing, and I've looked on. How do you dress for a sex club as a man and not look fucking gay? Well, I, I don't care about looking gay, but I don't want to like look like I'm there to suck dick, you know? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. You know what we should do? We should actually just like go to Kit Kat on like a Friday night. Not walk go- past it? Yeah, walk past it. They, um, Kit Kat actually... Uh, last week had like crazy lines for some reason like a friend of ours that's true she was queuing for four hours and couldn't four get in hours. that's a lot of people in a queue that is so a lot of people that's queue. a lot of people that we can obs- uh, observe that's true that's true um, I feel like 
<laughs> like so creepy. I feel like I want to film it or something just so I can remember. You so I'm not just like not be able you couldn't. I mean, obviously I wouldn't do that mm. in Berlin. You're, it's actually illegal in Germany to film anybody in the street, let alone people on their way into a sex yeah, club. And I feel like when it comes to the sex clubs, you, they actually should have their privacy. It's like in, um, I mean, Jess Brennan um, has set up. She's like a like a sexy influencer in Ireland. Well, she's a sexual influencer. I wouldn't call her sexy. Okay, Gareth doesn't find her sexy. No, she, she's like one of these kind of plastic inflatable women who's had every procedure under the sun done to turn she, into a sex bot. She does have a lot of fillers. Yes, she has a lot done. Um, and she wears these sexy clothes. She's hugely influenced by the Berlin club scene. Um, and she has a place. She has like a night called Sanctuary. I think it's it's changed names once or twice. Um and you're not allowed your phones. You're not allowed to take any pictures. There's yeah. no pictures. It's the same in, in, in all the clubs here, I think. Well, no, not no. all the clubs. You can't take a photo in any club, but I think the sex clubs take your phone away from you. Yeah, like you're not allowed to take uh, pictures in Bergheim famously. Like mm-hmm. even I've, I've looked at pictures of Bergheim like on Google and like people give out to people for like, you know, you're not allowed to take. How did you get a picture Whoa. of the inside of Bergheim? Um, yeah and Bergheim's another one where it's like mainly a techno club but they have a massive like dark room mm-hmm. um, but the dark I mean I've asked about this and the dark rooms are um, primarily or even perhaps exclusively gay mm. they're they're not a general sex thing that's the difference between the sex clubs and mm. obviously people have sex on the dance floor in any club in Berlin it's like allowed or whatever mm. but mostly the sex that happens in regular clubs is gay sex so straight sex in a club uh, that's not on the dance floor itself has to be pretty much one of the specific nights or clubs that are dedicated to that yeah and we've lived so close like we live um like 10 minutes from Berghain 10, 10 minutes from Berghain um when we lived in Neukölln we lived 10 minutes from I think it was Insomnia that was that's like an actual like kind of sex club yeah um like we've gotten so close um but we, yeah. we haven't we haven't dared go in well I've had this conversation with Constantine where I'm like it's such a tragedy that there are no um, bath straight bathhouses yeah. and he's like well that's what a swingers club is and my response to him is that's exactly the opposite of a swingers club because in a bathhouse you go along as a single person to have sex with strangers in a swingers club you bring along your partner to trade them <laughs> for other people's and partners that's not I want it to be very clear that's <laughs> not what I'm into I don't want to go to a sex club to suddenly be passed into a crowd like fuck <laughs> all of that a wall of dick like in a like in a mm. Lars von Trier movie. Also, I'm scarred from those Louis Theroux documentaries about swingers, where like all of the swingers are like really meldy, like they're really like. Yeah. No. To be fair to Louis Theroux, I mean he's gonna pick the meldy ones. Yeah, they're more I, interesting. There, you know, there's a moment in that documentary made about swingers that really pissed me off. So he's interviewing all these different people and. Mm. Most of it's played for laughs because he's quite sex negative, actually. Yeah. Having focused on a lot of prostitution stuff, he's always quite like, oh, maybe this girl who's pretty and young shouldn't be a prostitute. Maybe these people are ruining. You know, he it's, always it's, laughs at the, yeah, at the subject. It's a sneering kind of a thing, mm. um, which is fine if it's Nazis. But if it's like people who have sex, it's a little bit fucked up. Yeah. But he, the reason I have a problem with it, I mean, he's entitled to do that, whatever. They're, they're willing participants in the I documentary. Like oh, yeah, yeah, he's great. But I do think it comes from a very condescending, punching down mm. place almost all the time. Which, again, when it's Nazis or gun nuts or Westboro Baptist Church, fine, of course. But mm. when it's people who are just different, maybe it's not OK. Mm. Um, but we, there was this one of the documentaries did about swingers. He meets this girl and she's like quite young and pretty and ha- has started going to these parties and mm. is kind of having sex with a lot of people. And he basically like makes her so ashamed of it. He talks to her about it and he makes her feel bad about it enough that she like 
kind of stops going to these parties and is basically like, oh, I think I was exploited. And there's no evidence that she was. Like, it's basically just his sexual morality has been imposed with the authority of his camera and the camera crew on her to make her feel bad, which she's always going to feel now forever, mm-hmm. like she was a victim of trafficking. All, and all she was actually doing was going to sex parties and having sex with people and apparently very enthusiastically and enjoying it. Mm-hmm. But he reframes it for her in a really toxic and sex-negative way. And it, it's always struck me that that's really messed up. Indeed. <laughs> and on that bombshell. <laughs> yeah, this has been Everybody Wants to Love You. Bed uh, edition. Bed edition. Yeah, very intimate episode. Very intimate. There's something about the bed that that is unlocked a certain, I don't know, uh, informality. Do you know what I just realized? We could have had one microphone and saved ourselves all this trouble and just snuggled up next time. Next time with a special guest. No, no. Oh, yeah. <laughs> All right, listen, thank you for listening and tune in next week, same bat time, same bat channel for our ongoing series of sexual revelations. Everybody wants to love you. Everybody wants to love you. Well, I ask a psychopath, I get that kind of an answer.